accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stopping. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. 
He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, Thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. Good morning, everybody. So great to have you here this morning. If you're watching this, we just want to say hello to you as well. It's so good to be together. Let's just hook up in faith and receive from God, Father. We praise your greatness. Lord, we glorify your name. We lift you up in this place, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you have filled this atmosphere with your goodness, your grace, and your freedom. And Lord, I just bless you. And I thank you that you, your very presence will inhabit our praises this morning as we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
denomination. And under a denomination, you get religiously trained to subdue or silence your response. So we're going to shed some religious mindsets today. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do something that you've never done before in praise and worship. If you've never shouted, shout. If you've never raised your hand, raise your hand. If you've never danced, take a few steps. Are you ready? We're going to shed some religious mindset today. Something. 
It's got to cost you something. Worship has to be more than what you give to somebody else. That Jesus shed for me. Way back on Calvary. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from
we humble ourselves under your mighty hand that you may exalt us in due time. And Lord, we thank you for your voice and how you speak to your children. We listen to you. There is a cleansing flood that is washing over your souls. For I am washing you in my word, cleansing you in my blood, transforming you by my power. Oh, let that work. Let me work within. Open every part to me, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we just let you work. We praise and glorify your name. Hallelujah. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. You may have your seats. Pastor Nelson is going to come and lead us into communion. We love celebrating communion as a family. Hallelujah. God is so good. How many were here on Wednesday? I wasn't, but I saw it. But you got a glimpse of what happens in our youth group. They do amazing things. And it was fantastic. Hallelujah. Good morning. Yes, today is communion day. Yes. We have a loving God who sent his son for us. And we thank him. And um, as you notice, the tables are in the back here, so I'm going to ask you to go back and get your, your bread and your juice a while. And we'll, we'll head into communion then. See, the Father, because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, so his blood was poured out into that cross. So now we are free people. It's a free uh, penalties, a punishment chalked up by our own misdeeds. It's not barely free, but abundantly free. And the thing is, the Lord, he thought of everything. He provided everything we can ever possibly need. Letting us get on the plans he had such delight in making for us. So God, he, he intended to, communion to be an intimate time for believers and to fellowship with, with our Lord. See, Jesus, he became that, that final sacrifice for us. The spotless lamb of God offered to, to take away the sins of the world. See, God, he created the Lord's Supper for that reason. So when we receive it today, and we plan on partaking of, it, of everything that Jesus did on that sacrifice, he provided us the salvation. He gave us a peace of mind and healing and, and total prosperity. And we thank the Lord for this. See, in Ephesians 5, 1, the Father says, you know, be imitators of me, copy me, and follow 
his examples as well. As his beloved children imitate their father. And we have a good, good father. And we're going into first Corinthians eleven, twenty-three through twenty-five. It says that the Lord Jesus Christ, that same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, "Take and eat. This is my body, is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat." And after the same manner, also he took the cup and he supped from it, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. And do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Take and drink. Yes, Father, we just thanking you for such plans for us to be with you for eternity, Father. There's no one like you, and there never will be anything like you. But you are gracious indeed to us. And you are worthy to be praised daily. We thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Come on, Avery. <laughs> Isabel. No, she's telling come. Avery to come with her. Oh, yes. <laughs> we need cheerleaders in church for us, right? Come on. Amen. Come on, do this. <laughs> I want to invite you to make a confession of faith based on God's word. Let's make our confession. God's kingdom, kingdom operates on the principle of seed time and harvest. Seeds are powerful tools that bring increase and produce harvest. God has empowered us to be fruitful and multiply. Our God is good to us, and his blessing causes the earth to yield its harvest for us. We purposely plant our seed in good ground, and it grows, ripens, and we reap its return. We know the condition of our assets and pay close attention to our finances, so that our family is well taken care of and we are able to help others. We work in God's kingdom. We receive wages and gather fruit for eternal life. We rejoice when we plant and when we reap. Our seeds begin to increase the moment they are planted. We reap abundantly because we sow generously. We cheerfully and freely give to God's work and kingdom. God makes every favor and earthly blessing come to us, and we have more than enough to do what God wants and give to others. We are sowers, and the Lord gives us seed and meets our needs, according to his glorious riches in Christ. He multiplies our resources and increases our righteousness, so we are enriched in every way. We walk worthy of the Lord and please him in all things. We are fruitful, producing abundant harvest in every good work, and steadily growing in the knowledge of God. Our faith is strong, our insight is clear, and our love is strong for God's word. 
At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising Word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's Word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Good morning, everybody. All right. I have two things to share with you today. Yeah, I was so excited I couldn't decide which one, so I just figured we'll do both. All right, so first I learned about dandelions. They are the very first flower or weed, depending on your perspective, that actually shows up in the springtime. But there is a very good reason for that. So dandelions, um, they spread easily. That's why when you blow them, right, all the seeds go everywhere. So it's good for production purposes. But dandelions also loosen the soil. So for the rest of the plants that are coming along a little bit later, and early springtime, the bees and other insects need, like, nectar and everything to start, too. So dandelions are the very first thing to kind of, like, jumpstart spring, which I did not know that. I just thought they were kind of annoying at first. (laughs) But I was excited to learn that they have a purpose. So everything, no matter what it looks like, always has a purpose and a timing for the season, and dandelions are technically around all year long. We just don't see them as much. But springtime is when they make their debut. So at VCF, we celebrate every person having their purpose fulfilled. So speaking of which, we want to wish congratulations to Kelsey, who just graduated high school. We are so excited for all that God has planned for her. And on Tuesday, a youth group meets at 6 p.m. We have lots of ongoing fundraisers, and we have some new things back there. Camp meeting, which is what we are raising funds for, is actually only like six weeks away. It's coming up fast. It's happening at the end of July. And one of our other fundraisers we're doing is a spaghetti dinner with Miss Dottie's spaghetti sauce. It's so good. Um, So that will be for Father's Day, which is just next week. I realized that today. (laughs) It's one week away. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yep. (laughs) Next week. I was like, it's the 19th. It seems so far away in my head. Nope. So if you are interested in supporting the youth group that way, there is a sign-up sheet back at our booth. And Wednesday is Wednesday night refreshing. And this week, Dr. Fiona is going to be speaking on Wednesday. So we are very excited to hear what she has to say. I mean, we always are, but especially on Wednesday. (laughs) And we have our new Shopify store that is officially live and online on our website, which is awesome because all of the books that the pastors have written and some of the things that the youth are doing can be available, like, worldwide, which is exciting. So thank God for technology that can do that. And we have our two projects that we are working on. The VCF Kitchen Project for two new ovens, 
a vent and a fridge, and the youth is excited because we are planning on raising the funds to pay for that because we believe in investing in our church and making it look nice. Plus, we use the kitchen all the time for food. So (laughs) it's good to make a good investment in this. And as we said before, Josiah is very excited for our stage lights project. So that way our online audience who can purchase our products online can also get a better feel for what it's like in person as well with our stage lights. So they can actually see all the beautiful people on stage. All right. That's all the announcements. The one other thing I want to share is I was listening to Jesse Duplantis last night, and he was talking about the end times, but he mentioned something about the flood that I did not know. It apparently, when the atmosphere, you know, changed and there was water rising from beneath and water raining down from above, it rained 105 inches an hour. Yeah, that is nine feet in one hour. That is... Wow. Like, I knew it rained a lot for 40 days and 40 nights, and, like, it covered the mountains, but the numbers kind of helped me visualize that a little bit better. And so I was just, I was excited about that because not that everything gets destroyed, but the fact that your enemies, like, God gave them a chance, but your enemies, if they come against the plan of God, they don't stand a chance, right? Like, all of the power that is within heaven, and that was just a little bit shown on earth, was like nine feet an hour. I I was just very excited about that. So I am thankful that we are part of ECF, where we get to be part of the atmosphere of heaven. Amen. That's everything. God can give us nine spiritual gifts an hour. Hallelujah. How many love the Lord? How many love your brother and sister? Amen. Before we dismiss the kids, hallelujah, I want to share something uh, from Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're in a good place today. And uh, Galatians 6, starting with verse 6. It says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate, or that's the word share unto him, that teaches in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, That shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And here's the part right here. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. How many know that there's a due season coming to you? But number one, you got to guard your attitude. And number two, you got to overcome weariness. Sometimes, you know, the enemy would love to get you in a rut. Just doing the same old thing. Time in, time out with nothing new. But God is new. 
You know, God wants to do new things in this earth. He's a creator, right? And every service, any spirit-filled, word-filled service is different from every other service. Amen? And uh, we should not be weary in well-doing. We should not be weary in worship. We should not be weary in giving. We should not be weary in hearing the, the word of God. Amen? We should not be weary in, in exercising the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Or, or living by faith. We should never get weary of that. Why? Because it's something that we have to do all the time. And why? Because in due season. Say, I'm in a due season. Say, there's things that are due to me. And I'm going to reap. Because I'm not going to faint. I'm not going to quit. And I'm not going to stop. Amen. Hallelujah. That's my encouragement in your giving. You can give any time during the service. Those of you that are here, if you're watching online, you can participate by going through our website. And however you want to give. Father, I, I am so grateful and thankful for the givers that you have brought together here to hear the word. And to know about your inheritance. And to experience your goodness. And I call them blessed, blessed, blessed. Going out and coming in. In the city, in the country, wherever they are. The blessing of the Lord is on them, Father. And it's working. It's doing what it was supposed to do. It's causing good things to happen to them. They're protected, provided for, and they're prospering. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. All right, we want to dismiss our kids at this time to our kids' life class. Kids, have a great class, teachers. Have a great time in the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, the Lord put something on my heart for you to, for you today. I wasn't going to say you too, but uh, I was saying today, hallelujah. And, uh, you know, I prepare thoroughly, but I rely on him heavily. And I'm not bound to my preparation, but I am actively listening to the Holy Spirit. And, uh. Today I want to talk to you about activating the law of love. As we can see today, there are things that the Bible talks about. We can see it happening in our world today. And I want to share some quotes from E.W. Kenyon. He said this, love never gives birth to pain. True, genuine love. God never birthed pain. God is love, isn't he? So love never gave birth to pain. Love is God's, or love is God unveiled, unveiled to us. The love life is God actually living himself in us as he lived in Jesus. This is E.W. Kenyon. I'm just priming the pump right now. The love that was in Jesus is the love that is to rule the church, rule the home, and rule the heart of every believer. In other words, God established that love is the law of his kingdom. Okay? 
Love comes to live in a home to keep it in a place of happiness. Love makes a home beautiful. When a person is love ruled, love owned, love motivated, he does not shrink from any sacrifice. That's E.W. Kenyon still, but we're going somewhere. Amen. When love is slain, all that is beautiful is dead. When you suck the love out of an atmosphere, things die. Why? Because love gives life. Okay? When love grows cold, the sun ceases to shine. Broken fellowship has deep sorrow. All right? When we step out of love, we step out of the will of the master. Okay? Acting out of love is acting contrary to the will of God. Stepping out of love is breaking fellowship with the Father. It weakens our faith, and it makes the Bible almost a closed book to our hearts. I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Matthew, chapter 24 And I want you to look at verse 12. Hallelujah. Matthew 24 and verse 12. King James says, And because iniquity shall abound. Are we seeing that today? Iniquity is abounding, right? The love of many shall wax cold. Or become cold. When lawlessness increases, love decreases. So if you want to decrease lawlessness, you've got to increase love. Right? The Amplified says it this way. Because lawlessness is increased, the love of most people will grow cold. Notice, there's a growing cold of love in an atmosphere of lawlessness. We're living in an atmosphere of lawlessness in the world, the world's system. The world's system is run by lawless people. They don't care about the law. They, want, they only care about personal gain. All right? Troubles and persecutions that will unfold in the last days, they strengthen the spirit of worldliness and self-seeking, which is encouraged by a timid and weak faith. See, because in order for your faith to be strong, it has to operate according to love. Your faith can operate apart from love, which is really God. Okay? When, when the time that we're living in, It can loosen one's dependence on God. And they stop trusting God and his ability to help provide or overcome. And, uh, you know, Jesus told a church at Laodicea, he says, you're growing lukewarm. He said, I wish you were hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. That means you're indifferent to love. 
Okay? So lawlessness increases and intensifies selfishness. You're going to see a rise in selfishness when there is no love in an atmosphere. Why? Self will fill the gap. Because love puts others first. It doesn't put self first. When there's an atmosphere of love, there's an atmosphere of serving one another, helping one another, blessing one another, improving someone else more than yourself. Why? Because then you're sowing love and you're going to reap love. I just don't love anymore. Well, have you sown any love? What's your seed like? Have you been spreading any love? Or you just been spreading claiming or uh, uh, complaining, mumbling, and grumbling? Whenever love stops functioning or operating, selfishness arises. Because love kills the self. Love is selfless. Oh, someone's going, some people are going to get some revelation today. Love does whatever God wants, and the flesh does whatever self wants. There's a difference of priority. The heart of the carnal man is a stone-cold, hard, rigid heart. The heart of a spirit-loving man is tender, pliable, and compassionate. Just think about this for a moment. How long did God wait for you to choose him? While you were in the process of choosing him, did he ever criticize you? Did he ever complain, say, come on, you should be going along further now? No, he waited patiently for you because he sowed his love into this world and he knew that you would come in eventually. He waited for you. He waited for me. Amen? That's the nature of God. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Hallelujah. And look at verse 1. Notice what's going to happen in the last days. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. This know also that in the last days... Are we in the, in the last days? We certainly are. So right now, where we are. Perilous times shall come. Dangerous times shall come. We're in some dangerous times now. For men will be lovers of who? Of their own selves. That's dangerous. That's perilous. That's what's happening in the world today. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents... Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. They're, they have no affection. They're stone cold, rigid. They're stone. They, they got a heart of stone. When someone doesn't have affection, affection is a necessary ingredient of love. They're without affection. Truth breakers, false accusers, Incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So they love themselves, they don't have affection, and they love pleasure more than God. They love pleasing their senses. 
or their flesh. Don't worry, it's going to get better. I have to lay out, I have to lay out what's happening now so that we can appreciate what God wants to do. All right? So they love themselves, they don't love others. Now look, go down to verse 10. Notice what Paul, he's writing to a young pastor named Timothy. Timothy traveled with Paul on various occasions. Verse 10, but you have fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering. And what's that next word? Charity or love and patience. Timothy got to witness how Paul exercised love in their relationship. Do you realize Paul was a, a highly religious person? And he had letters and authorization from the religious organizations of that day. The heads of Judaism gave Paul permission. And he took that permission with a zeal and a passion. And that gave him the license to go and arrest Christians, persecute Christians, imprison Christians, and even kill Christians. And he thought he was doing God's will until he met the one who, who, who is love. And Paul did a, three, six, did, did a 180, right? He totally changed his life. He totally changed his career. And he, got, he started doing what God wanted him to do, being an apostle, planting churches, preaching the gospel. So Paul had a revelation of the love of God for him. Notice he said, follow my love. Do you have a love that someone would want to follow? Just, just food for thought. Just keep smiling, looking ahead. All right? All right, go to, go to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Look at this. Verse 4. He's talking to churches. There, there were actually seven churches around the Mediterranean. And these, are, these were actual seven churches that John was writing to. And notice what Jesus says in verse 4. Revelation 2, 4. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. You left your love? Your first love? What does that mean? You walked away. You stopped sowing love and you started feeding self. More than giving to others. You left your first love. How is that possible to leave your first love? Yeah, you can walk out the same door you came in. Amen? If you want to stop loving, you can. But you will reap perilous and dangerous times in yourself. The moment you stop putting self first, you have walked out of love. You have left love. Okay? Hallelujah. Are you doing okay yet? All right. Go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. And verse 42. Stay with me, okay? Trust me, it's going to get better. John chapter 5, verse 42. Notice Jesus is speaking here. And uh, 
You know, in verse 40, he said, you will not come to me that you might have life. Verse 41, I receive not honor from men. Verse 42, but I know you that you have not the love of God in you. When the love of God is in a person, it is recognizable, it is discernible because love does things on purpose. It doesn't do things for display, but what love does is seen. It's felt. It's experienced. Because let me tell you what love is. Love is an action and love is a choice. When you choose to love someone, you will take action to demonstrate your choice, to strengthen your choice. Amen? Husbands and wives, when you, when you fell in love, amen? How many rem- remember when you fell in love? Love is not something you fall into, by the way. It's not a pit. <laughs> love is a person. <laughs> love is not something you fell into, but love grew in your heart. And what did you do? You had actions. That corresponded your love, that showed your love, that demonstrated your love. If you didn't have any actions, you'd be saying bye-bye. Is, is that true? So what happens? We stop doing the actions that we claim to do, and we walk out of love. Jesus recognized that in this group of people, they did not have the love of God in them. Why? They didn't respond to Jesus. They didn't come to him. They didn't seek him. They didn't uh, invite him in. Okay? Verse 43. I came in my father's name and you received me not. So they didn't receive him. They didn't come to him. They didn't receive him. They're not sowing any love. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. Why? Because that's the flesh. People who aren't Operating in the love of God, they glorify the flesh. Verse 44, how can you believe which receive honor from one from another? <laughs> let's just pat each other on the, on the back. All right? Let's not, let's not consider what God wants. Let's just pat each other on the back. <laughs> okay? And seek not the honor that comes from God. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. Amen? But if you believe not his writings, how will you believe my words? So they didn't come to him, they didn't receive him, they didn't believe in him, therefore they had no love in him. Okay? Are you with me? All right. Hallelujah. Go to uh, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I'm going to grab something over here. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5 is the key. Glory to God. All right. Romans chapter 5. I'll get there in just a second. And I want you to look at verse 2. It says, uh, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Aren't you glad God gave you access by faith into his grace? Amen. 
What are you doing when you get to this grace? You're standing in the grace. That means you're believing it, you're operating it, you're functioning from it. All right? By faith, you have access into this grace, and you're standing by grace. By grace, you're saved. So you're standing your salvation because of grace. Grace is the offer. Faith is the acceptance of the invitation. Or it's the response to the invitation. Grace is the invitation. Faith is the, is the acceptance of that or the response to it. Okay? All right? We have access into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Have we been glorying in tribulations? Knowing that tribulation works patience, patience experience, experience hope, hope makes not a shame because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Here we were. We were an empty vessel, void of the love of God because of sin. Sin separated us from the love, therefore we were empty and we need to be filled. God came along, who is full of love, right? And you know what God did? He began to fill us. He began to take his love and shed his love in our heart, pour his love out on us. He he showed us his love. He demonstrated, and now we're full of his love. So now, when you encounter anyone who's thirsty, you've got something to give because something was given to you. He shed his love abroad in our hearts. He poured his love out to us. He gave his love to us. Hallelujah. Amen. He, and, 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 you know, this example, the bottle runs empty, but God never runs empty. When he pours out to every one of us, he's still got more than enough. Because he is continually, because he is love. He is the source of love. He's got lots of love to give. But he poured his love in our hearts. He shed his love abroad in our hearts. Say, I'm full of the love of God. I'm telling you, this is the greatest gift that God gave us. He gave us his love. He gave us his ability to love. And he lets us use his love credit free. He doesn't charge you interest. You don't have to make payments. All you have to do is believe that you're full of the love of God. Hallelujah. Hope makes us not ashamed because the reason that hope makes me not ashamed because I'm full of the love of God. It's shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Well, I'll tell you what, the Holy Ghost is a lover. He gives us things. He's constantly giving us things. He gives us direction. He gives us wisdom. He gives us strength. He gives us power. He gives us gifts. Why? That's what love does. See, when you stop giving, you stop loving. Why? When you're not giving, what are you doing? You're promoting self. When you're giving, you're saying no to self. And you're saying yes to someone else. Amen? Hallelujah. So, the question that I wrote down, with God's love poured out in us, what do we do with it? That's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about activating the law of love. The law that's already in the kingdom. The law that's already been established. The law that's already been proven. 
How, how did God prove his love? He sent Jesus to die for you. He gave the ultimate sacrifice for people who were sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is the ultimate display of love. Because love never shrinks from sacrifice. God gave the ultimate sacrifice, therefore he demonstrated the ultimate love because he is love. Amen? So today, we're going to see the practical side of love. How we can put the love of God into practice in our everyday living. Amen? Go with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. John, chapter 15. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, during worship, the Lord gave me a picture of pouring water into that. I'm like, okay. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for your cooperation. Hallelujah. That was not planned, but it it was a spontaneous plan. Okay? John chapter 15, starting with verse 1. I am the vine, and my father is the husbandman or the vine dresser. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. I have a question for you. Is love a fruit? Yeah, it's the, it's the first fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. So what does God want us to do with the love that's been shed abroad? He wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to have a love orchard. He wants us to have love fruit on those trees in that orchard. Amen. He wants those trees dripping with love fruit. Right? Love mangoes, love oranges, love lemons, whatever. He wants us to be fruitful, not fruitless. And he doesn't want us to be fruity. You can leave fruity for the fruity pebbles. Notice every branch, where is the branch? Every branch where? In me. Oh my goodness. See, if you want to produce love, you've got to be connected to love. You can't produce love being separated from love. So if you're not walking with God, you're going to have a hard time displaying love. And you need to repent. Amen? Listen, there might be some people today that need to repent. Repentance is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's simply a correction. Amen? I don't want you to think of repentance as a bad thing. Right? It's a good thing. It isn't, it, aren't your brakes in your car good for stopping when you need to stop? Isn't that a good thing? Yeah, you don't always have to use them, but there are times when you have to use them. Why? You have to stop. Repentance is just your brakes. It's applying your brakes in your life. Amen? And, and listen today, if the Holy Spirit touches your heart, don't you dare stay in your seat. You do what God wants you to do. Amen? We're, we're shredding religious mindsets today. I'm, I'm a religious shredder today. We're going to put religion in the shredder. Amen? I wish Dr. Jacobs was here. He'd love that. You know, before we met Jesus, all of us accumulated some sort of religious mindset. All right? Okay, every branch in me that bears not fruit, what happens? He takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it. He trims it. He prunes it. 
He, he gets rid of the unnecessary dead things. Why? When you prune a tree, it makes it more fruitful. I know, I prune trees. You're, you allow the air to flow through the branches. Hallelujah. He purges it, and, and every branch that bears fruit, he purges it or prunes it that it may bring forth more fruit. Everybody say more. I can't do anymore. Yes, you can. With God, you can do how many things? Yes, you can. So not being able to do more is not an issue. Okay? Hallelujah. All right. So love is a fruit, and wherever the seed is planted, it will, it will reproduce. Love is a fruit, right? If you take an orange seed and you plant it in the right soil and the right atmosphere and you water, what's going to happen? It's going to grow an orange tree, right? That's the nature of fruit. If you want to produce love, you've got to be planting love seeds. Otherwise, your, your orchard will be bare. Love bears fruit. God's word is the incorruptible seed, and it's the love book. It's the portrait of love. It's the constitution of love. The B-I-B-L-E is the constitution of love. The, the one who created love wrote the book on love. Amen? In this book, he tells us, look, it's a given. We know that God loves us. Right. And we know that God, that we love God. Right. But it's the loving the others that we're going to deal with today. I'm not dealing with loving God or God loving you. I'm dealing with how is your relationship with others? Family members. Did you know that the body of Christ is a family? We are a family. We are the VCF family. You have dual family citizenship. You have your family, your natural family, but you also have your spiritual family. God said that to Abraham. You're going to have descendants like the sand. That's the physical. But you're going to also have descendants like the stars. That's the spiritual. And we are children of Abraham by faith. Hallelujah. See, I'm part of the VCF family. Amen. Okay. Look at verse 3. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Love cleanses you. It sanctifies you. Love is a cleansing agent. Did you know what love does to sin? Love covers a multitude of sins. You know what love does to fear? It casts it out. Whoo, perfect love casts out fear. Where's perfect love? God is perfect love. And, and he took his perfect love and shed it abroad in your heart. Amen? Okay? Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more, no more can, you, can you except you abide in me. So you've got to remain in love so that love will remain in you. You have to decide to remain in love. Love is not anybody else's decision. It is your decision. It is how you respond, how you react, and how you act. You've got to remain in love. And love will remain in you. You want to keep your love tank full? Stay connected to the source. Amen? Hallelujah. All right? Verse 5. 
Well, verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withered, and men gather them up and cast them into the fire and are burned. If you don't abide in love, you're cut off, you're withered, you die, and you burn in a fire. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound good. I am not kindling. I have fire in my bones, but I'm not going to burn in fire. Amen? You got fire in your bones, but you're not going to burn in fire. So, what does that mean? You got to stay connected to love. All right? Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. The key to connecting and operating in God's love is having his word in your heart. God fuel, God's word fuels love, it empowers love, and it sustains love. God's word is the fuel for love. So someone who has left their first love, they also left the word. How do you leave the word? You stop doing what it said. When you stop doing what the word said, you have left the word, and now you're out on your own. If it was raining, okay, and I have an umbrella, am I going, is my head going to get wet being that I'm under, a, under the umbrella? No, because I have an umbrella, right? But what if I put that umbrella aside and step out from it? Am I going to get wet now? Who moved? Did the umbrella move or did I move? See, God is like the umbrella. He's our protection, you know, but when we get outside of God's will, right? And then we allow the enemy to do things to us and we say, God, why did you do this? And God said, I didn't do it. I'm right here. You left me. You left your covering. You, let, you, you walked out. You did your own thing. Listen, God's not, God doesn't promise us protection for doing our own thing. We got to do his thing. When we're doing his thing, he'll protect us. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Verse eight. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Operating in love, living out God's word, honoring and glorifying God is proof of true discipleship. What is the proof of discipleship? If you do my word. All right, and if we bear much fruit, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Isn't this amazing? God loves Jesus, and Jesus loves you with the love that he got from the Father. It's the same love. We share the same love, the love of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Jesus loved the Father. Jesus Loved, loves us just like the Father loved him. He communicated that love. He demonstrated that love. He taught that love. He showed that love. He displayed that love. Amen? He shared the Father's love, and he showed us what love is, and he showed us how to love. Okay? Love is constant. It's steadfast, it's faithful, it's hopeful, it's expecting, it's strong, it's fluid, it's passionate, it's enduring. 
It's sustainable and it's duplicatable. And I don't even know if that's a word, but it is today. It is deep, tender, and unchanging. God's love makes sacrifices. It takes risks. It promotes mercy. Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? Do you realize one thing that God needed to make every day is mercy? His mercy is new every morning. Why? That's love. Love gives you, you woke up today and love gave you another chance. Amen? Hallelujah. Healing is the display of God's mercy. Love love was God's greatest motivation to give his only son Jesus and his inspiration for giving us life. Love. For God so loved us, right? God's love towards Jesus is the highest affection of which we can conceive. The same is true for Jesus' love towards you. Hallelujah. So we got to, how many want to stay in this love? All right. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Now we're going to get to the practical side of things. Ephesians chapter 3, and I want you to look at verse 16. Glory to God. Ephesians 3.16 That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. How many know God is rich in glory? Not only is he rich in glory, but he shares his glory with us. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Alright, this is a prayer. You can pray this. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. That you, being rooted and grounded, where? We got to remain rooted and grounded in love. And guess what? We got to check our grounding every day. You may have woke up this morning and had a loose ground. When you're not grounded, you're a live wire. But we got to be rooted and grounded where? In Christ and in love, right? Okay? So, once, once we're rooted and grounded, notice what starts to happen. Verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Your understanding is going to increase. Your comprehension is going to increase when you're rooted and grounded. What is the, the breadth, length, depth, and height? There are dimensions of God's of love. Amen? We can go as deep into those dimensions as you want to go. How high, how deep, how wide, how long. Right? How far do you want to go? There's no limit. There is no limit in love. Love knows no limits. How many's ever been ticked off at someone? How many's ever gotten over it? Love knows no limits. Because in a lifetime, you've been ticked off a lot. That's just human nature, right? But we get over it, don't we? Why? Because love knows no limits. As long as it's with rooted and grounded in God. Verse 19. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Oh, oh, you can know it. 
Know it like a husband knows his wife. You can know it intimately. You can know it closely. You can know it. You can know the love of God which passes knowledge. Hallelujah. You can know it. You, God wants you to know it. He wants you to experience it. He wants you to have it. He wants you to flow. He wants it to flow out of you. Why do you think he put it in there in the first place? I'm just going to be a Dead Sea love container. I'm just going to keep love to myself. Love, you can't keep love to yourself. You have just left love because now you're promoting self. Do you remember uh, Jesus told a parable of the rich farmer? And uh, he was a very well-to-do farmer, and he had all these barns, you know, and he had all these crops, and he had a bumper crop. And he said, oh, what am I going to do with all this increase? I'm going to have to build bigger barns. And the Lord said, you fool, tonight is your soul required of you. He wasn't planning on giving or sharing or contributing. He was only contributing to himself. Bigger barns. Really? How many barns can you have? Listen, I'm, I'm for prosperity. God can bless you. But you got to, it's, you got to be willing to share, willing to give. That's what love does. Anytime that you talk about love, love gives. Love sacrifices. But we can know the love of God which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. You're not going to be filled with the fullness of God if you're having problems loving. Loving is the key to you being filled with the fullness of God. Okay? Now let's go to Romans 12, and this is where we're going to camp out today. Romans 12 is the practical use of love. Hallelujah. Oh, I love the word. You love the word? You love the spirit? Amen? I love reading the word. Every believer should love reading the word. Reading the word should not be toilless. It should not be toil. Oh, I got to read the word again. Just go pray in tongues. Just get your heart right. If you approach the word like that, you are, you are telling, you are telling God how much you value him. This is God in these pages. Jesus was the word made flesh. We should never ever approach the word as drudgery. We should reproach, we should always approach the word out of a love relationship. I mean, my goodness, God sent Hallmark. He cared to send the very best. We got a Hallmark card from God that's endless. Amen? You can read a Hallmark from God every day for eternity. Glory to God. It'll tell you how God thinks, what he feels, what he likes, what he doesn't like, where you came from, where you're going, what you can do, what you can have. Amen? We have got to love the word. If we're not in the word, our anchor has unanchored. We're not anchored in love if we're not anchored in the word. Amen? Amen. Romans 12, starting with verse 9. Romans 12 and verse 9. The practical side of love. Let love... Be without dissimulation. 
Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. All right? What is dissimulation? It's hypocrisy. It's pretenders. It's people putting on a mask. They're not genuine. They're not sincere. How many ever encountered fake love? All right? Notice he said, let love be without. Okay? I'm going to read this from a couple different translations. All right? Love needs to be sincere and active, genuine and real. All right? The voice translation of the Bible. It says, love others well. Don't hide behind a mask. Love authentically. Despise evil. Pursue what is good as if your life depends on it. How does love feel about evil? It abhors it. It despises it. It is contrary to it. It is against it. Any form of evil, love is against it. Love opposes it. So if you're embracing evil... You're not in the love that you need to be. Love opposes what is, how do we know what's evil? Anything that's against God is evil. Anything that promotes something above God is evil. Anything that is negative against God's word is evil. What kind of report did the Israelites bring back the ten spies? An evil and wicked report. What? They saw giants. They saw their size. They saw their cities. They were telling facts, but it was against what God said. They were promoting facts. God was promoting his promise. That's what made it evil. When you are on the opposite side of God, you're evil. You got God's team and the evil team. There's no in between. Right? Jesus said to his disciples, you're either for me or you're against me. Am I right? That's what the Bible said. Okay? Here's what the J.B. Phillips, he only wrote, he only translated the New Testament. He said, let us have no imitation Christian love. Let us have a genuine break with evil and a real devotion to good. Cleave to that which is good. Love upholds what is good. It abhors what is evil. Amen? This is the practical side of love. All right? Let your love arise from a genuine, deep emotion. Where does does love reside? Does it reside in your head? Does it reside in your hands? Does it reside in your feet? Where does it reside? It resides in your spirit, right? Inside of you. You are a canister of love. And you can, see, what we're doing today is we're talking about how to release that love. How to activate that love. How to practice that love. Amen? All right? Go to 1 John 3.18. 1 John 3.18. We're going to go back to uh, Romans 12, so uh, just stay there, you know, mark your place or what, whatever. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. It says, 
My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. You know, if you're going to say, I love you, you better be prepared for actions to back it up. Right? God wants you to walk the walk and talk the talk. You got to be both a walkie and a talkie. Right? A walkie-talkie. Amen? In other words, a walkie-talkie, you got to live the life and pronounce the life. If you're not going to... If you're not going to live it, by, any, by all means, don't pronounce it. But if you're going to live it, you're going to have to say it, right? If you're going to say it, you're going to have to live it, okay? Hallelujah, all right? Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, hallelujah. And look at verse uh, 22. 1 Peter 1, verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Unfeigned is cleansed or pure or genuine. How many of we got to have some unfeigned love? We got to be real. Amen. Genuine. Loving our brothers and sisters right here. If you're sitting here with a problem with a person in God's family, repent and get it right. Amen? You'll be all the better for it. Okay? All right, let's go back to Romans 12. Hallelujah. This is our, this is our campground today. Welcome to Romans 12 campground. This, this, this describes the practical side of love. From 9 to 21. All right. Verse 10. Romans 12, 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor preferring one another. You know, we're not too far from Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Are they showing brotherly love in that city? No, they're, they're worldly. They're carnal. They're putting self first. Right? But what does the Bible say? Be kindly affectionate. I'm just not an affectionate person. You need to know Jesus. You need to come out of that religious mold that you've been squashed into. You are affectionate. You have emotions, don't you? You have feelings, don't you? Your feelings are not to lead you, but you can show them. Amen? Did God, did Jesus show when he was angry? Certainly did. Did he show when he was forgiving? Certainly did. Oh, this woman should be stoned to death because she was an adulterer. Really? Who she was, who she adulterer with? Herself? Something was missing in that, in that equation. That math doesn't compute right there because it takes two to commit adultery. But what did Jesus, he showed, he showed forgiveness and compassion versus the letter of the law. The letter of the law wanted to stone that woman. But all the people writing the letter of the law had to drop their stones because they had sin in them. They knew it too. You without sin cast the first stone. Boop, 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 boop. You hear stones dropping everywhere. Hallelujah. Okay. 
We're on verse 10, right? Here's the voice. Live in true devotion to one another, loving each other as sisters and brothers. Be first to honor others by putting them first. You know, one thing that love does is honor. When someone is out of love, they show authority disrespect. Love will always respect authority. It will always honor authority. It doesn't necessarily agree with it, but it will honor it. If you read uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel 3, they honored the king by saying, Your majesty, we are not careful to answer this question. They didn't berate the king. They didn't say, You wicked heathen, we're not going to listen to you. They recognized the authority that he was king, but they said, What you're saying is we're not going to agree to, we're not going to bow. They honored the authority without agreeing with what the authority was saying. Right? You can still do that. Love always honors authority. I can tell when people are out of love because they don't honor authority. They do what they want, when they want, how they want, with, with disre- without regard to uh, the authority that God put in place. All right? Okay, J.B. Phillips, verse 10. Let us have real warm affection for one another. You know, love is warm. It's inviting. It's welcoming. It's sincere. It's for real. You're not putting on a show. You can tell when someone is sincere. Amen? All right? Let us have real warm affection for one another as between brothers and a willingness to let the other man have the credit. Ooh! Let the other man have the credit. If you're, if you're someone that always has to have the credit, you're not in love. Does it matter who gets the credit as long as the problem is solved? Do you know that the Pharisees were goading John the Baptist, right? They said, hey, John, look, Jesus is baptizing more people than you, although Jesus didn't baptize anybody, his disciples did. You know what John said? They were trying to get John revved up. Like, they were trying to bring division between him and his cousin Jesus. John said, he must increase, I must decrease. He wasn't there seeking credit. He was there just opening a way for the king to come in. He was there to prepare a way. He was there a voice. He was there to be a forerunner. Amen? He he wasn't seeking credit. If you're a person that's inclined to seek credit, give it up. Let someone else have the credit. When I was was, um, involved in Pioneers for Christ at Lee University, it was a college when I was there, then it became a university after I graduated. But... um, I got the greatest joy out of seeing people use their gifts that God. And one time I had a meeting. We were going to do this. Um, uh, we, were, we called them invasions, all right? We were going to go to Copper Hill, Tennessee. That is along the Ocoee River in the mountains between Tennessee and North Carolina. But it's in Tennessee. And uh, so my vice president at the time, his name was Christian Anderson. And uh, I told Christian, I said, okay, at, at our meeting today, I want you to bring a, 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 I want you to give me a sample of a sermon. I'd never heard him speak, right? I didn't know what his style was, but I knew in my heart that he had to speak, at, he had to speak the first night of our invasion, which was a Friday night. All right? And, and Christian is like, I don't know why I gotta do this. This is so stupid, but here it goes. And, and he, 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 he gave a sermon, you know. So, this was just in the team meeting, all right? It wasn't in the service. 
All right. So that night he preached and I'm telling you what the Holy Spirit hit that place. People got set free. They were rolling under the pews. A Baptist girl got filled with the Holy Ghost. She was laughing and rolling in the grass outside the church. She had never done that before in her life. But see, I knew, but he, 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 he went along with it, but he wasn't, you know, too into it, but it worked. Amen. Because when you follow God, you're going to get results. And uh, hallelujah. And, and boy, I'll tell you, that's what Fiona went to that church and uh, Dr. Fiona. And uh, that was the first time that she learned what the word vittles was. Because the pastor was a big southern, he was a southern guy and, you know, with a, his, his accent. And, and when it was time to eat, they said he wanted some vittles. And, and Dr. Fiona goes, what's a vittle? Because <laughs> she didn't know what that was at the time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, let's go to the next verse. What are we doing? We're seeing that we're activating the law of love. We're seeing how love actually works in a practical way. Amen. How many are interested in, in using love in a practical way? Love is practical. You know, God didn't pour his love in your heart as a trophy case. He put it in your heart as a showcase. He wants you to show it. He wants you to do it. He wants you to operate in it. Okay, verse 11, love is not slothful in business, but it's fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. How you, oh, hallelujah. The Amplified says, love never lags in diligence, but is, it is aglow and energized in the spirit, enthusiastically serves the Lord. How many got some enthusiasm? All right, here's the voice. Do not slacken your faithfulness and hard work. Let your spirit be on fire. Bubbling up, boiling over as you serve the Lord. If you've never served the Lord, you are missing out on a joy that you just can't uh, adequately describe in words. When you put yourself into the Lord's kingdom and you say, here I am, Lord, use me. And you start using your gifts and your talents and your abilities, whatever God's put in you, sharing your wisdom, your expertise, your skill for God's kingdom. I'm telling you what, God gets so pleased. And, and there will be an energy and an enthusiasm there because love is not, sloth, love is not slothful in business. You know, I mean, you, you ever see a sloth? I'm getting to operate in love. You're a little slow. Love is not a sloth. It's a cheetah. Amen? Love is a cheetah. It'll spring into action. It's quick. Hallelujah. The New Living Translation says it this way. Never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Everybody say enthusiastically. enthusiastically. There, there is joy in serving the Lord. There's a feeling that, I mean, oh my goodness, it's good. It's a good, good feeling. Hallelujah. Whoo. All right. The J.B. Phillips said, Let's, let us not allow slackness to spoil our work. And let us keep the fires of the Spirit burning as we do our work for the Lord. 
Who are you here for? Are you here for a person or are you here for the Lord? You know, the Bible says whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it as unto who? The Lord. We got to do things as we're doing it for the Lord in everything that we do. All right. All right. Verse 12. Verse 12. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. This is qualities of love. This is how love is carried out in a practical way. All right? Here's what... Love constantly rejoices. You know, love believes the Bible where it says rejoice, and again I say rejoice. A double-double rejoicing. Amen? You know, you can't mess up rejoicing, but if you want to, you can do it again. And you get more of a feeling. Amen? Amen? Love rejoices. It is full of anticipation and expectation of God's good. Love is steadfast, patient, in distress, and devoted to prayer. It continually seeks wisdom, guidance, and strength from God. Here's what the voice says. Do not forget to rejoice. Some people say, oh, I forgot to rejoice. Don't forget to, look at your neighbor, smile real big and say, don't forget to rejoice. For hope is always just around the corner. This is the voice. Hold up through hard times that are coming and devote yourself to prayer. Share what you have with the saints. Everybody say share. So they lack nothing Take every opportunity to open your life and, and home to others. What does the Bible say if you entertain a stranger? You might be entertaining an angel. But listen to the Holy Ghost when you're dealing with a stranger. Right? He knows. If you've got a check in your spirit, shut the door. Right? Because the Holy Spirit, he can read between the lines. He sees, he sees what's behind the mask. Okay? Um, All right? Verse 13. Romans 12, verse 13. This is what love does. Say, this is what love does. Say, this is what I do. Because you do what love does, right? Where'd you get that love? It came from God. He shed it abroad in your heart. Amen? Whoo, he filled your heart. The love tanker came by and filled you up. Glory to God. And guess what? You can get refilled anytime. Amen. If you're running a little bit low on love, you can get filled today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Verse 13. Distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. Hallelujah. Share what you have with the saints so that they lack nothing. Take every opportunity to open your life and home to others. That's the voice. All right. The message says for verse 13, don't burn out. This is 13 to 14, actually. Uh, or it's 11 to 13. Keep yourselves fueled in, in a flame. Be alert servants of the master. Cheerfully expect and don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Uh, help needy Christians. Be inventive in your hospitality. Are you seeing a pattern? Love serves. Love helps others. Love's always looking for opportunities to do something good. 
I just want to bless them. I just want to help them. I just want to assist them. This is what love does. If your love is growing cold in your marriage, start have a contest. The only contest that you should have in a marriage is who can outserve the other. When you start doing that, I'm telling you, love will go whoop. It'll rise up and the atmosphere will change. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, love is a seed. Love is a fruit. It's got to be sown. It's got to be uh, nourished. Amen? All right. Go to verse 14. Verse 14. We're almost almost done. Romans 12, 14. Bless them which, which persecute you. Bless and curse not. The voice says, if people mistreat you or malign you, bless them. Always speak blessings, not curses. Love is in the blessing business, not the cursing business. Shall we call down fire from them? The Lord looked at him and said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Why? We're going to see love. I, I can't get ahead of myself. Okay. And for those, this is J.B. Phillips. And for those who try to make your life a misery, bless them. Everybody say, bless them. Now, did Jesus, when the Pharisees tried to chip him up or, or, uh, catch him, uh, breaking the law or doing something, you know, he blessed them with the word. He gave them opportunities to trust in him. Right? He never condemned them. I mean, he did call them whitewashed tombstones. Yeah, you look good on the outside, but you're full of deadness on the inside. He did call them serpents and snakes because they were venomous. Right? But he was there to help them. And unfortunately, the Bible says a lot of the Pharisees believed on him, but because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God, they did not confess him. That's in John 12. And if you're not going to confess them, you're not acting on love. Love always takes action. Love doesn't wait for it to happen. Love makes it happen. Hallelujah. All right. Verse 15. Verse 15. Love rejoices with them that rejoice and weeps with them that weep. Share in people's joy and share in their grief. Love weeps. Did Jesus weep? The the most manly man that was ever created and walked the earth, the strongest man, he weeped. So if you've been taught that men shouldn't cry, someone lied to you. Jesus wept when he felt genuine sorrow. We should weep. God weeps. He weeps over people who reject him. All right, verse 16. Verse 16. Be of the same mind one toward another. In other words, don't take a superior position to another. I'm better than you. Who cares? That's pride. Be of the same mind toward one another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. 
I'm, I'm wise in my own eyes. Well, that's the wrong opinion. <laughs> let's, get, let's get a second opinion. <laughs> Amen. You know, if you want to, a husband can say how great he is until we interview the wife. <laughs> then that'll determine whether or not he's telling the truth. <laughs> right? Vice versa, too. Right? Okay, the voice says this. Um, if someone call, if, if some have cause to celebrate, join in the celebration. If others are weeping, join in that as well. Okay? All right? Verse, uh, okay, verse 16. The voice says, work toward unity and live in harmony with one another. Avoid thinking you are better than others or wiser than the rest. Instead, embrace common people and ordinary tasks. If someone is good at something, great. If they're better than you at it, great. Amen? Celebrate your your goodness. Celebrate your uniqueness. Every one of us are created different. We all have different skills, different strengths, different weaknesses. Amen? We should never be... um, uh, we should never have a, a, a low self-esteem because we're not good at something that someone else is. I wished I could always sing. My sister got the singing voice. I got the preaching voice. I can sing just so low you can't hear me. I can carry a tune, just not too far. Would you believe that I was in, in high school? I was actually in choir. Hallelujah. God works miracles, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, verse 17. This is, this, is, this is something that you need to listen to. Verse 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Here's what the voice says. Do not retali- retaliate with evil, regardless of the evil brought against you. Try to do what is good and right and honorable and agreed upon by all people. Proverbs 20, 20, says, do not say I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord and he will rescue you and save you. Leave the vengeance up to God. You don't know what they did to me. God does and God will take care of it. Let God take care of it. Don't you get involved in vengeance. You are, if you get, if you take vengeance, you are siding with the enemy. You don't know how it felt. Yes, God does. Vengeance is whose? It's the Lord's. Leave it in God's hands. He's, he's, he's quite capable and efficient to take care of it. Wait, wait till the end. You'll see. Right? There's not going to be any injustice that's going to uh, be paraded at the end times. If there's any injustice, God will deal with it. If he hasn't dealt with it yet, he will deal with it. Amen? Don't you worry. God will work it out. He's, fully, he's been holding the universe together, and he will continue to do so. Amen? Do not take vengeance. Love doesn't take vengeance. That went over like a lead balloon. I know the flesh will want you to give, you, give them the, the fivefold ministry, right? What if Paul took vengeance on everyone that whipped him or beat him or stoned him or did all those things to him? If anybody had a right to take vengeance, 
it was Paul. I mean, there was a, a Jewish hit squad, I call them. They, they actually said, we're not going to eat until Paul's dead. And every meeting that Paul went to to start a church or to preach at or to encourage a church that he started, they would show up and they would uh, excite the crowd, right? And they would, they would get the crowd against Paul. I mean, the man was one big walking bruise. No wonder Luke had to write the book of Acts. No wonder Luke traveled with Paul because he needed a doctor. He needed a, everywhere the man went, he got beat up. And he kept going. He, I mean, my goodness, he was stoned in der- Derby. He was left for dead. The, the disciples gathered around and prayed, and he went right back into the city. That's some boldness, amen? You leave the vengeance in God's hands. Just turn the other cheek and see if they'll hit it by. I, I tried it. It works. I told you, I told you the story. I was, I was a backslidden person. I was at a party and the guy wanted to fight me and I didn't want to fight. I said, I'm a lover. I told you the story. He, he, he hauled off and clocked me, man. I mean, he gave me, I just stood there. He didn't try to hit me again. I just walked away, but I, I let him know that I gave him, he gave me his best shot and I took it. But, the odds were against me, so I'm not going to be stupid. Amen? You walk away. I walked away. And guess what? I'm here preaching to tell about it. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with how many men? What, what does all mean? All means all. Right? As much as you can. <laughs> Live peaceably. All right? Here's what the voice says. If it is within your power, make peace with all people. But sometimes, but you're not a doormat. All right? Christians are not doormats. All right? There comes a point in time when you, uh, you don't let them walk on you. Right? The J.B. Phillips says this. As far as your responsibility goes, live at peace with everyone. As much as you can. Obviously, there's going to be some people, you know, I'll never forget when I was in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and we were on a crusade with uh, the church that I was attending in Illinois when I was a single man, and um, I had really just prayed up for this one, and there was this guy, he was a short guy, right, and I'm on the sidewalk, and he's coming to me like this, you know. You can tell he's up to no good. You can tell he's a little bit possessed, right? But I was ready. I had my armor on and everything. And then there was this other guy, okay? He was also possessed. But he looked at this other guy and he said, what are you doing here? This isn't your territory. You need to go. Like, the the demons were arguing with each other. I'm like, okay, I'll just, no, walk away. No, but I was ready to use the name of Jesus, but I didn't have to. But that was... Later that night, I, uh, a guy came and tried to kick me, and his foot was stopped in midair. Amen? Because he was in us as what? Greater than he was in the world. Okay. Two more? Can you handle two more? All right, verse 20. Love feeds and provides its enemy if they're hungry or thirsty. Therefore, if your enemy... Everybody say enemy. enemy. Is, that, is that a clear definition? 
If your enemy is hungry, what should love, what would love do? I'm going to make him starve. I'm going to make you suffer. No. Love would feed them. Love would give them something to drink. That's what love does. Love sacrifices. Amen? We couldn't save ourselves, but Jesus got on the cross and saved us. Amen? Hallelujah. And then finally, verse 21, we come to the end of the practical use of love. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. See, love opposes evil, right? When, when, love, when evil is operating, love will go into action. Like a lion guarding their cubs. Okay? And, uh, but how we do it is important. Love is not overcome by evil, but it overcomes evil with good. Here's the voice. Never let evil get the best of you. Instead, overpower evil with good. Everybody say overpower evil. Did you know that goodness is greater than evil? Amen. Amen. Love is greater than hate. All right. J.B. Phillips says this in verse 21, 20 and 21. These are God's words. Therefore, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him a drink. All right. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Don't allow yourself to be overpowered with evil. Take the offensive. Overpower evil with good. (laughs) Did you know that in every argument it takes two people to argue? What if one stops to argue? Is there an argument anymore? No, someone's just talking to themselves. Right? If you want to participate in an argument, you go for it. I, I want to get my point across. I want to be right. Really? Isn't that important? Who's right? Is God taking record of heaven? He's right. She's right. You know, oh, it's back and forth. It's like a tennis match. It's, it's 40-40, right and wrong. All right. Here's what the message says. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person uh, lunch. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Amen? Amen. Isn't that what Jesus did? He got the best of the Pharisees by doing what was good. Right? You know, he contended with the Pharisees for three and a half years. They, They always, they didn't believe he was the son of God. They always challenged him and you know, sometimes he answered their thoughts, right? I bet that was enlightening. They're thinking thoughts about him, and Jesus answers, "Whoa!" They're looking at they're looking at each other like, "Oh my goodness, he knows my thoughts." Listen, you got an advantage over evil with the word, the Holy Spirit, the name of Jesus. But love is a very practical thing. How you want to activate the law of love? We just read it, right? Love takes action. Love does things. Love sacrifices. Love serves. Love honors God. Love resists evil. Love promotes good. Love always sides with the truth. I could give you lots of descriptions of love in the Bible. You know, we're supposed to walk in love, right? 1 John 4, 16, God is love. Amen. So everything that is about love, it's about God, right? So how about you? Where are you today on the love scale? Did you come in here today with a love tank that's half full 
and you need to be energized and charged with the love of God, hey, God's got some love for you. Amen. He will pour his love into you so that your love will be full. Jesus said, I'll give you my joy so that your joy will be full. Amen. Or maybe you came here today and you're, uh, you're struggling with something, right? You know, love has a way of correcting things. When we get right with God and we get right with other people, it's amazing what God can do. God works in the atmosphere of love. Everything that God did was motivated by love. He never did one thing out of love. Amen? And we got that same love. So if you need prayer this morning, or if you need to make it right with God, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Amen? I'm not going to ask you what you're up here for. I just believe that you're, you're going to come up here hungry, ready to receive from God. Amen? This is a God moment. Right? No one will know your business. I'm just going to touch you with my hands and I'm going to speak the name of Jesus over you. And his love is going to correct what needs to be corrected, fill what needs to be filled, touch what needs to be touched, lift what needs to be lifted. Amen? Hallelujah. So if that's you this morning, I just want you to come. If you want prayer, if you want to be touched by the anointing of God, just come on up right now in the name of Jesus and let's experience the love of God. Amen? Let's strengthen our love for others. Hallelujah.